Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it the second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be 12 Deadly Days. Twelve Deadly Days is a YouTube Red original show. If you don't remember what YouTube Red is, it's what YouTube used to call their premium service before they realized it sounded like a porn site. Hmm. Do you think Elon Musk ever going to realize that his sounds like that too? No, I, I, th- <laughs> I think we'll literally, I, I think we'll literally go bankrupt before he realizes that X.com sounds like a porn site. You know what? Fair. Yeah, he did buy it for like what forty-four billion dollars, and it was worth like twenty-five billion, and now it's worth like a little over eight. I don't remember how much exactly he paid for it. I know he paid like. 69 420 420 per share or something like that because it was funny a haha weed number yeah, no, sex he, number he, he did buy it for like 44 billion it was worth like 25 and it is now mm, worth like 8.2 beautiful yeah beautiful haha sex weed number but no 12 daily days is a youtube original series back when youtube was making tv shows and trying their hand at the game yeah it didn't work out well for them which is distinctly sad because the last show we reviewed that was a youtube original we really liked yeah wayne was good it's been a minute since we reviewed a youtube original because YouTube didn't have very many originals, and they weren't all very good. In yeah. fact, most of YouTube originals are kind of garbage tier. Yeah, honestly, I think the issue is a lot of YouTube rad YouTube originals, like movies or TV shows, were developed in-house. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think Wayne was developed in-house, it just ended up on there because I got an offer for it. Technically, this wasn't developed in-house either. Yeah, but kind I feel of. like... I f- yeah, this feels like it was much more in junction with YouTube. Yeah, this was... Developed and produced by Bloomhouse Television and Dakota Pictures. I've never heard of the second one. No idea. But we all know Bloomhouse. Yeah, they, they do horror stuff. They make horror stuff. Oh, wait. 12 Deadly Days. Is this a horror thing? It's a comedy horror anthology. Okay. Okay. And it stars YouTube people in various episodes. Nah, there we go. That's why it wasn't good. I don't know. The only YouTube person I recognized was Bernie Burns. Yeah, and he is also actually a fairly good actor. Like, so. he, he was fine. Yeah, he's been fine in most things I've seen him in. Like, he's never been in somebody like, oh, damn, he's good, but he's always been, like, passable. I'd agree with that idea, yeah. Can I tell you what my least favorite thing about this show is, though, before we even get started? Sure, go ahead. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, just so I have the episode titles. Oh, yeah, I don't have those. Mm -hmm. And the show, 12 Deadly Days, was released over a span of only 11 days. Yep, that's bad. Flavor fell. Or, yeah, 11 days. I can count. (laughs) Good job. Proud of you. But I looked at it and I counted and I was like, nope, that's 12. And then I, was, then I realized I just counted how many episodes there were and I was like, yep. Yeah, there's 12 episodes. Episode one, though, is A Haunting at the End of the Street. And it is a retelling of 
A Christmas Carol, even though calling it retelling is a massive stretch, it just I, has. I would use the term inspired by. Yeah, same. Like it is very much not really. Oh, also the show's from 2016, so it's a seven-year-old YouTube original show from the time YouTube used to call their original stuff YouTube Red. Yeah, it's been a bit. You know, YouTube Red actually had some stuff I really enjoyed. Like they had a game theory show that was essentially MatPat and friends testing theories IRL. Okay, it was vaguely MythBuster but also game related yeah cool shit fair it also had wayne but uh yeah so what you're telling me is it has something that matt pat could supposedly still do with just a bit more money which i assume he now actually has probably about enough money to do that yeah but that, that's if he, he wanted just, to pay for it himself instead yeah of like and also assumedly didn't do super well and he's not super motivated to return to that format they did a second season so I highly assume part of that came from pushing from YouTube because they were really trying to make it work. Who knows? Vsauce 3 also did a series called Could You Survive the Movies, which essentially took survival scenarios from movies and then mythbustered them. Really, I just like Mythbusters. Yeah, but didn't they basically continue that on a different site, a creator-led video site? I think they all ended up on um, Nebula. Nebula. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were a few new episodes on Nebula, too. I might be wrong about that part, though. Yeah. Anyways, 12 Deadly Days. It starts... With the camera moving down a street at night, houses are lit up with Christmas lights. There's Christmas music playing. Well, assumedly it's carolers singing is the idea. Mm, fair enough. We do see them in a, like very little bit. But we end up at a nicer looking house, but it looks a bit old and run down. Dark and dreary. Mm-hmm. And then we're inside and there's an old man watching the TV. And he's just channel surfing, flipping through channels. Yep. Which apparently is a thing people still do. I mean, he had a CRT that he was watching in his living room, so sure, why not? That's so wild. I didn't even notice it was CRT. Yep. CRT is kind of like the default language for television, though, in media, right? Like, eh, kind of, yeah, but I mean, also not so much anymore. And I would say even in 2016, it wasn't like a big signifier of it. Mm, fair enough. He also has landline phones, multiple. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he's watching, he's flipping through the channels, and he comes up on a commercial. And it is a commercial for the Cratchit Brothers Paranormal Investigations team, which it's two brothers, Miles and Matt Mac. Cratchit. We don't get their names here. They barely say people's names in either of these two episodes we watch. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, hey, what if that sound at night isn't the stirring of a mouse? What if it's something else? Call us and we'll have your house feeling as fresh as when you moved in. And honestly, that's not that doesn't feel like a good slogan, right? Yeah, because assumedly if you're moving into a haunted house, it's haunted before you get there. Yeah, exactly. So like as fresh as when you moved in. Honestly, I guess they're just covering their ass because paranormal teams and ghost I, I teams are pretty the, uh, common. Yeah, common. I think like the best way to phrase it though, would have been like as fresh as the day it was built, which also doesn't really like roll out like poltergeist like stuff where like it was built on a cemetery and yeah. Like, it was probably still haunted before it was a building, so... Mm-hmm. We can only... See, I, I would say, because it's very much even themed as a Christmas ad, because one of the, we're talking about a mouse stirring, one of them's wearing a Santa Claus hat that gets pulled off his head by, like, assumedly, like, a fishing line or some shit. I would say, like, end it with a line of, like, and the only ghost of spirit you'll find in your house is the holiday spirit. And when we finish, nothing will be stirring. Not even a mouse. Yeah, or something like that, like... Although, I guess that would be more like a pest control ad. Yeah, but, like... Yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But as we, like, go through the houses, he gets up from watching TV. After um, exclaiming, bah, humbug. 
Just just to make sure you knew that even though his name was Scrooge, his name isn't just Scrooge. This is like a full pastiche of the character. Yeah, and I have a problem with that line delivery because Ba is an exclamation of some sort. So it should probably be shorter. You don't normally stretch those out. Unless, of course, it's generally more of like an ironic or jokey manner most of the time if you're stretching out an exclamation like that. Who are you to tell him how to ba, to ba, to bang, to bang, diggy? So then we're at the Crashy Brothers office. No, we're not. You skipped so much. He's like, he go, he gets up out of his chair to go to, go oh, to yeah, his yeah. house. Uh, there's a knock on the door. It's carolers. Mm-hmm. Like, in the background of all of this, we can see, like, the faint outline of a woman just standing around. He goes up the stairs to his bedroom, to head to his bedroom. There's an open door. He closes it. As he turns away from it and walks to go to his bedroom, the door opens back up again. Yeah. He ignores it. He goes into his bedroom, turns on the light, and there, painted in blood on the wall, is the eerie, threatening message of the most wonderful time of the year. Yep. And then we get the opening. Yeah. You can't just skip the opening to get to the Cratchit Brothers. I mean, I can. And I can also point out uh, when he got carolers at his door, his response that he seemed so proud and happy of because he thought he was so clever is they were corely singing the notes to Silent Night, but not singing the words to it. And mm-hmm. he tells them to sing this and just holds up his middle finger and then slams the door. And he looks so pleased with himself for that for that line. I was just like, what the fuck, man? That's not, that's not that funny. That's not clever at all. No, not really. Mm-hmm. This man isn't clever, though. Yeah. Makes me wonder. Anyways, we'll get to that later. Uh, the opening for the show is a train set. Yes. And it's a toy train making its way through a town. And it's on the town play set of Saturn, California, which is where the show takes place. Mm-hmm. And it's holiday decorated. So there's some snowmen, some Christmas trees, things like that. And right before the, the opening ends, the train drives past a sign that says, Welcome to Saturn, home of the Titans. Yeah. And the opening music's not bad. A medley of Christmas songs, mm-hmm. but it, with like a minor tone, uh, a minor um You key. know, to make it spooky. Mm-hmm. And a bit more intense on some notes and with like deeper bells and things when they're using them. Then we open on the Cratchit brothers at their home office, it's whatever. Just, that's not their home. That's definitely an office. They're, they're three months behind. It might be they're both. Maybe. They might sleep there. So we go to them and Mac, the more business-minded, financially stable, not stable, the more financially knowledgeable of the two brothers, is lamenting the fact that they are no longer in Maine, that they came here. Yeah, and he's basically like, we should have never left Maine, we're not getting any business here, we're three months behind on rent, no, 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 no. There's no snow, it doesn't feel like Christmas. And Miles is like, yeah, but we had to leave. In one year, we we, we did 62 cases in Maine, and we, we ran out of all the ghosts. And Mac is just like, that. there's not only 62 ghosts in Maine. And then Miles is just like, look, I brought us to Saturn for a reason. We didn't just come here for no reason. We were summoned. Yeah. We were called. Because apparently Miles is psychic. Mm-hmm. And Max is like, sure. To which his brother's just sitting like, he sits up, right, because he's been leaning back, playing with rubber bands, shooting them across the room. And he hesitates for a moment, and we linger on him. And then he's like, what if I told you we're going to get a call, because the commercial worked, and we'll have a job that sets us up for, I don't know, the rest of the year? Well, for the next year. For the next year, yeah. The rest of the year is probably like two Six weeks. days-ish, <laughs> yeah. Bare minimum. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, they get a phone call. Yep. Mac is really excited. He's like, yeah, we'll be right there. Smash cut to being outside of Scrooge's house. Yes. And as they're getting ready to go in, Mac asks him if, like, what all he saw. And he's like, I don't know. Us showing up. So I'm watching the commercial. Uh, us showing up here. You smiling when we leave. And then, for some reason, Miles, and he says it's because of the equipment, reminds Mac to leave his phone in the car. Yeah. 
I can't figure out why that line is in there because in the show they never use the equipment. Like, is it just a way to like? When he said it, it looked like he tapped his head. Oh, cell phones mess with his ability. The four G fucks with his brain. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. But like, I that makes more sense than what I was getting at. Yeah, I figured it was just a writing trick to like make sure the phone wasn't there for when they get locked in the house. I mean, it is. Yeah, well, like, at least it's justified. Somewhat. But as they're going to go in, they hesitate because Miles sees a ghost, the same ghost we saw lingering in the background in the opening, in a window, staring at them. And we sit on this bit a little too long, in my opinion. The ghost does whisper to Miles. She's like, go away. Yeah. Yeah, it's buried in the audio mix, though. Like, I understand it's supposed to be a ghostly whisper, but it was not. Oh, yeah. First time viewing. Did not catch it. Only caught on the second time because the captions were on and I... Yeah, it's not very well done in the mix. But so they head in after. Oh, before they head in, they discuss like price and stuff. And it it comes out that Scrooge is the richest man in Saturn. Yep. And Mac is like, I don't know. We could charge him 30, 35. And Miles is like, thousand? And Mac is like, yeah, richest man in town. Don't you you know? know this? Yeah, shouldn't you already know this? I was just like, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the love of it. So then they go and knock on the door, and Mac does one of the most annoying things you can ever do while knocking on the door, and that is continue to knock on the door as somebody opens the door. Yep. Why? Why? No idea, but the Cratchit brothers introduce themselves as the Cratchit brothers, mm-hmm. and Scrooge just says, I'm not paying you. I'm, And Scrooge says, I'm paying you for your time. Just get in here. Let's get this over with. Mm-hmm. And as they come in the house, they see right next to the door is a shelf full of snow globes. Except one spot is missing. Yep. And we can tell this easily because this man has never dusted in his life. And Matt goes, hey, what happened to that snow globe? And Scrooge goes, cracked it. And Miles gets the funniest line in this whole episode where Mm -hmm. he goes, actually, it's Cratchit. Yeah. Uh, Like, it's the best. It's the single best line in the show. It's so good. So they head upstairs into the room with the writing. And Mac tastes the blood. Yeah. After Ebenezer explains a bit here that, well, do we know his name is Ebenezer. Yes. We see it written later. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. My bad. So he explains that the household gets a bit more rambunctious around the holidays. It starts to ramp up you can't, and you do can't, some stuff. Sometimes things move. He hears things. Can't even burn a Yule log. Mm-hmm. It's enough to make a man hate Christmas. I don't think that's why he hates Christmas. Just saying. Yeah. And he said that this is the first time he's ever gotten a message. So mac tastes the wall substance and concludes that it is indeed blood Mm -hmm. he almost gags yeah and it's at this point that the brothers are like looking at each other and they say it's a level three entity a class three entity sorry very much and scrooge is like okay so how do we kill it yeah which we then jump to them at the table downstairs in a dining room yep it was a fairly decent cut we enter the next scene by scrooge slamming his hands on the table yeah, because the brothers are explaining to him that the best way to deal with a ghost is to talk to it, figure out what it wants, communicate, and help it move on. Because even, like, 90% of the time, even the most vengeful... Angry ghost. ...can just be reasoned with and talked to. They just want somebody to listen to them. Yeah. And Scrooge is like, no. I won't have anyone talking to ghosts. It's unnatural. You're not going to do that. Not on my dime. Demonic. And they're just like, well... What did you think we were going to do? He's like, I thought it'd be something with lasers and traps. He literally, he literally goes, I don't know, Ghostbusters? Yeah, which I would assume is the last movie this man ever saw. And so Miles giggles, which is the appropriate reaction. And then Mac is like, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, Look. He giggles and Scrooge just tells him basically to get the fuck out. Yeah, and Mac is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
we can do it for half price. Normally, something like this is very expensive, like eighty thousand dollars. But it's the holidays, and we can't really leave you here to die by yourself. So we'll do it for halfsies. And Scrooge hesitates for a while. He's like, "Well, that is a good price. Fine, just get it done." And then Miles proceeds to like have Matt close all the blinds and curtains. Yep. And he proceeds to do a seancey thing, but it's just him standing, breaks against the table as he vibrates. And then apparently has a vision of some sort. And when he's done, he's like, it's not just one ghost. There are three spirits in this house. There's a woman from the past. A man from the present. And a man from the future. Yep. Ooh. And Max is like, okay, what else do you know? And he's just like, well, their presences aren't very strong, except for hers. And so he's like, okay. So then Miles sits down to have another vision in which he realizes that she died in this house. And her name is Belle. Yes. And they then proceed to ask Scrooge if that name means anything to him. And he gets very upset and- Once again complains about how talking to ghosts is unnatural. He's like, this is demonic. You get out of my house right now. I'm going to call the police. He goes to open the door to throw them out. The door opens, but then slams shut and the doorknob comes off in his hand. And Mac is like, we can't leave. They don't want us to leave. He's like, fuck you. This This is your trick. Trickery, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to call the police. It goes to grab a phone off the wall, but the phone's gone. Well, it goes to grab it off the desk. It's Sorry. gone. Then goes to grab one off the wall. It's, it's gone. gone. He's like, what'd you con men do with my phones? And he's Mac, like, um, they're Mac's, in here? Yeah, he goes, uh, I found them. So Scrooge walks in uh, to see the two brothers looking up at the ceiling right in his entryway, which has a nice staircase going up so it's a pretty it's a two-story entryway mm-hmm. then and the phones are just stuck to the ceiling like psychically pinned there and the handsets are dangling down from the ceiling because they're all old corded telephones mm-hmm. honestly i think one of them was a rotary phone amazing yeah uh they all then fall to the ground yeah uh everyone's kind of settles down and scrooge goes i I don't know who bell is i have no knowledge of this bell woman i don't know where, where she is I don't know who she is. I don't know when she died here. Da, 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 da. They're all sitting back around the table now as Miles and Mac are trying to figure it out. And they're talking out there. Like, Mac is like, did she, was she a previous owner? Did she die on the land before the house was built? And Miles is just like, no, she didn't feel that old. If we just had some of our gadgetry, some of our tech. But it's all out in the van and we can't get to it. And then Mac pulls out a tape recording and goes, E-V-P. Yep. Then his brother Miles is like, oh, you're going to get all gumshoe on it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what? And Scrooge's response is, I thought you said ghosts didn't really talk much. And Mac goes to explain that ghosts don't really talk that much, but if you know their names, you can get them to respond to simple questions. Yep. And she will tell them all they need to know. And hearing this, Scrooge looks at Miles and goes, well, would it help if you saw the most haunted room in the house and i was just like yeah definitely so he gets up to leave and asks his brother to hold on to his notebook where he's just been taking some notes down and scrooge and miles walk out of the room we see mac look at the notebook and it just says be careful something Something fills off yep so miles and scrooge go upstairs and meanwhile mac starts his evp session he's like how'd you die bell and then plays back the tape and it's she says and this scene is intercut with Miles and Scrooge going upstairs, but we, we'll just do the Mac stuff here real quick. Uh, well, we could cut back and forth because it's actually important yeah. to do. So then upstairs, Miles enters the room that had the door that opened and closed on its own earlier. Mm-hmm. And after he's in the room... Well, as he's going up there, Scrooge is explaining that this room seemed a long time ago to take on kind of a mind of its own. So he's kind of just locked it up and forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. And so we see him use an old key to unlock the door and let Miles in. And then he closes the door behind miles and locks him in mm-hmm. in the room there's a trunk that is locked and closed we don't know that's locked but it is closed it's got it's latched and closed okay yeah, yeah. it's latched and closed and 
We then cut back down to Mac. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you know who killed you? He goes back to play the EVP back. We cut back upstairs and the trunk has flipped itself open. Yep. And inside is something wrapped in cloth. Like, cloth. Oh, like a hand- handkerchief or some shit. And then we cut back down to Mac and he gets his response and it's, look out. And then we cut back to Miles and he pulls the cloth off and it's the cracked snow globe. And when he touches it, he gets a vision of... Belle sitting at a vanity that's in this room just brushing her hair. And, and Scrooge comes up behind her with the snow globe. And Honestly, with the way it's shot, it's not even that he comes up behind her. It's just that the camera pans to the left and back of it and Scrooge is just already there. And bashes her head in with the snow globe for no discernible reason. Mm-hmm. Miles then freaks out. It start, and like runs to the door and starts pounding on it, yelling for Mac. You got to get out of here. It's not safe. It was him. He killed her. It was never his money to begin with. And Mac is here's the playback of Bill going. Look out! He's like Luke. Ow! And, and then, then he starts to turn around, but Scrooge is already behind him and smashing his head in with another snow globe. So then we cut back upstairs with Miles, who stops patting on the door when he hears a grunt behind him. And Mac apparates into the room. Yep. And Miles is just like, oh no, shit, fuck, like, I'm, I'm so sorry, it's all my fault. We fight in the brothers here. Mac's just like, I should have seen this coming. Yeah. Uh, Mac's just like, it's it's fine. Do you have more important things to worry about? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'll just like, haunt you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because the moment he apparates, Miles is like, oh, you're the present ghost. The, yeah, the man from the present. And then Mac is like, well, you got to get out of here because... You said there were three ghosts. Who's the third ghost? And as he says that, Scrooge opens the door and has a knife in his hand. Mm-hmm. And when he does, Belle's ghost manifests and throws the snow globe at him. Well, she doesn't manifest physically to where we can see her, but she does just throw a snow globe at him. She throws the snow globe at him, which gives Miles an opportunity to run out the door. He gets out the door, and then him and Scrooge get into like a grappling fight at the top of the stairs. Right up against the-, the banister. And Scrooge has his knife to Miles' throat. He's just like... You just had to start talking to that chatty bitch. I bet I can tell you who the third ghost is. And when he says that, a ghost of himself comes out of the room. I mean, he's like, just stop it. Things won't turn out the way you want. And Scrooge is like, I can't let him go. He'll turn me in just like Belle wanted to. Which, which impl- that's never resolved. Like, yeah. what did he do that Wh- Belle wanted to turn him in for? What was the crimes he was doing before this? My assumption is he had a partner who was the stand-in for Jacob Marley that maybe he killed. That's the only thing I could possibly think of. And that's only because you're calling this guy Scrooge, even though this isn't a uh, Christmas Carol Anyways, story very well. Scrooge, distracted by the ghost of himself... Gives Miles an opportunity to try to run. And when he does, he knocks Scrooge over the banister. Well, more like Scrooge tries to respond by stabbing him, overswings, and overthrows his own balance and falls over the top. And he lands on the floor and impels himself on his own knife. Yes, which we knew was assumedly going to be how he got hurt because when Ghost Scrooge walks out of the room and basically tells him to stop, he shows that there is a blood stain on his shirt there. He's like, this is not going to be a good future for you if you do this, basically. Yeah. And when Miles is looking down at Scrooge on the ground, Ghost Scrooge is like, pity. I was hoping we could avoid this next part. And then Belle manifests. Yep. And she says something like, hello, dear, or... Merry Christmas, darling. And... Tilts the entire bookshelf of snow globes over so it crashes on the knife and onto Scrooge. Yep. And then Miles just stares at it for a moment. And then we see him now getting into the van outside. Mm-hmm. And we hear Mac, but we don't see him. And Mac is still like, well, we should probably go. You don't want to be here when the cops arrive. Yeah. Which, fair. 
And then Miles has like an entire thing where he's like, I'm sorry that you got killed. I don't know how I didn't see this happening. I don't know why you were smiling or why I thought this job worked out. I don't know why we even came to Saturn. And Mac is just like, look, you said that things were going to get better and that like the pay would, the money for the next year would be an issue. And he's like, and a wise man always said, look on the bright side or some shit like that. And he's like, and well, cost of living's cut in half now. And you said I was smiling when we left in. Well, and he's smiling. So they drive off. And as they're driving off, Max says, let's go get a Christmas tree. Which is a callback to the beginning when we first met them because Miles promised Mac they'd get a real Christmas tree because that was one of Max's complaints. Mm-hmm. So then they pull up at a small Christmas tree farm. Miles gets out. Mac goes to get out. Miles is just like, no, no, no. You stay here. I don't want you ruining a kid's Christmas. And Max is like, that's fair. And Miles... Gets out and talks to the lumberjack who, like, runs- Douglas the... Emerald Russell. And he, like, talks to him about the, like- Sorry, actually, Miles doesn't do a lot of talking at all because Douglas dominates the conversation. Yeah. And he's talking about how he goes so far north to get these trees and, like, only the best, the color, the centering. The scent, the symmetry, and the smell. Yeah. No. Scent, symmetry, size. And- Miles starts looking at a tree, not because he cares about the tree, but because his brother is, his ghost brother, is staring at the tree and says the line, I'm going to decorate you like you've never been decorated before. And Douglas sees that and goes, oh, I see you've already got a tree that caught your eye. And Miles is like, uh, yeah, I guess. So, so then we see them putting the tree in the back. And Douglas shakes Miles' hand and Miles gets like a weird feeling from the forest behind Douglas. He's like, mm-hmm. how much later are you open? Like, I don't know why he asks that really, but- and Douglas is just like, but 15, no, 20 minutes? Yeah. Enough time to send someone else over. And Miles is just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe in the morning, you know, it's getting kind of late. And Douglas is like, okay. So Miles goes in the car, and as he's doing that, he's like, hey, be careful. It's dark out here. And when he gets in the car, Max like, hey, what's up? And Miles goes, I don't know. I just got the feeling that business is about to pick up. Yep. And then they drive off. And after and... they drive off, Douglas waving at them as they go, something in the forest makes a noise. Not even the forest. The row of cut down trees. Yep. And then something drags him into the trees and the lights go out at Russell's tree farm. Yep. And that's the end of episode one, 12 Deadly Days. What are your thoughts? It's weird that Christmas is the only holiday that like gets dedicated TV shows. Yep. I complained about this. I think Halloween kind of does too sometimes. Yeah. It, it's weird that it's mainly just Christmas. Mm-hmm. That said, as far as like a Christmas-themed show goes, this first episode isn't terrible. Yeah, no. It's a kind of bland pastiche of A Christmas Carol, but like it had some funny moments. Mind you, whoever was playing Ebenezer Scrooge, which I didn't mention when we saw it, the snow globe that he picks up, that Miles picks up, says Ebenezer and Belle on it, and it's those two underneath a wedding arch, her in a wedding dress, him in a suit, a tux. <sighs> Yeah. That's where you saw his name. I just couldn't read the writing. Yeah, it's at Ebenezer and Bell. Mm, makes sense. But, but yeah. the actor playing Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, overacted everything. I will say, I know you told me this was an anthology before we went into it, but I kind of didn't like register that. And Mac dies and I go, oh, Scrooge is just going to get away with three murders. Yeah. Cool. Weird, weird, weird show. I don't know where we go from here, but cool. And then he doesn't. And uh, even then it's... Still almost feels like it could be a setup for more because it is a psychic who is now ostensibly involved in two murders at an old rich guy's house. And his ghost brother. Yeah. And then we have a thing at the end where he's like, oh, I feel like our work's about to pick up. Like, sets it up like there's going to be more. I understand why you think that. It definitely doesn't feel like it's leading into an anthology. Mm -mm. It feels like this is the show about a psychic detective and his ghost brother. During Christmas. Yeah. And I was completely aware it was an anthology, though. But my thought was, oh, I just assume Miles is going to be our narrative device. The framework for the, Mm -hmm. yeah. To introduce us to each story, basically. 
That is not the case, at least as far as episode two goes, which I guess we should go and get into it. Episode two is Killer Furs. F-I-R. Yes. Okay. Episode two opens up pretty much where episode one left off. Mm -hmm. But with a slight dialogue revision. Does it? Yeah, because at the beginning of this, Douglas puts his axe over his shoulder and goes, man, I love my job, and then gets dragged off into the forest. A line that did not occur at the end of episode one. Fair enough. He didn't even put the axe over his shoulder in episode one. He he had the axe like next to his leg and was waving, um, which is kind of hilarious. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like getting suspicious vibes from Douglas, and then I feel incredibly bad because he's like, Man, I love my job. I love bringing Christmas cheer. Yeah. Whoosh, gets pulled into the woods. And then when he looks around, because he's still alive at that point, he sees some woman in raggedy gray clothes, and he goes to follow her. But he's being chased by something yeah. through the woods. He's got blood on his face, and he's running, and something's chasing him. There's a bunch of screeching. Honestly, it just sounds like racks from Borderlands. And then he eventually trips mm-hmm. as he's almost out. And something grabs him by the ankles and drags him back in. Yeah. And we get a very bloody squelching noise and a scream. And mm-hmm. then we go to the opening. I think it's fair to point out, though, that when he's running at first, it's darker and kind of misty. And the trees are closer together and they're looking taller than they did before. And then as he's running away, we see the light from the lots and the trees are looking normal again. They're back in like their organized rows. And then he gets dragged and dies mm-hmm. and we get the opening which is again the brain set on a like setup of saturn with the horror christmas melody medley and then the episode proper opens up on i, I never caught the name of his business but i've just been calling it russell's trees yeah it's not like that and it's the, it's the tree lot and there's police tape and a woman pulls up gets out of her car and walks up towards the trailer mm-hmm. where she is cut off by bernie burns the one actor i recognize from the show and she Calls down to him and calls him Uncle Fraser, which I would like to point out here that the brothers are named Douglas and Fraser, both a type of fur. And her name is Willow. Yep. Also a type of fur. Yep. They're all just trees. They're the killer furs. Yeah. Honestly, I guarantee you that's partially why it was done. Though, mind you, a willow is not a fur. Could be. It, it's not. It can't be. That's not how that works. You could have a willow pine tree. No. And anyways, though, Fraser's then just like, hey, it's great to see you. Um, you missed the funeral. Yeah. It was, he says this like it's a, a tasteful thing, but Rangers goes, that sounds weird. He explains that they had Douglas laid out on a table with pine needles all a, underneath him. A bed of pines. Yeah, yeah. And he smelled so good. Never had a dead body smell that good. Honestly, kind of, kind of sounds kind of like Viking-esque. Yeah, I guess. And she's like, I'm sorry that I missed that. I tried to get a flight from Madagascar as soon as I could. And he's like, well, that's fine. I guess we can catch up a bit around here. Not much has changed in Saturn, though. Yeah, though not much has changed in Saturn. She's like, I saw the Walmart's bigger. And he's like, yeah. And we got a Chipotle. And she's like, wow. It's like, yep. How very cosmopolitan. No, Chipotle does not serve cosmopolitans. They don't serve alcohol. Yep. And so... She would know that if she didn't spend all of her time on an island protecting trees. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, it's fine. You can hang around. We'll catch up. But we can deal with all this. And she's like, I'm only staying for a few days. I'm here just to get everything together. And then I'm going right back to Madagascar. And he's like, you're going to miss the parade, though. He also mentions during this time that the cops think... Some tree thieves did it. Tree thieves kill, killed her dad. Mm-hmm. And then he brings up that they're pretty bad tree thieves because the bookkeeping says there's 42 trees in the lot, but he counted 80. Anyways, though, so he's trying to tell her she should go to the parade and stuff and everything. She's just like, keys, because they're now standing outside of a the camper trailer. trailer. Yeah. And he's like, but, and she's like, keys. And he's like, fine. Well, he's like, you're not staying out here by yourself. 
that she's like, I'm a grown woman, keys. And he's he's like, no, not if there's tree thieves around. She goes, well, how's Chuck? Well, she goes, I deal with machete wielding. I deal with gangs of machete wielding. I don't remember what she says. Tree hunters. Poachers. Tree poachers. Yeah. Using their machetes to chop down trees. I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. He's like, I'm still not sure about that. She's like, well, how's Chuck? And he says, as sharp as ever. She's like, I'll be fine then. Context clues. Chuck is the axe that her father was carrying. Yeah. We literally see the axe later. It has the name Chuck written on it. Yeah. Context Mm -hmm. clues. Like I said. So. Actually, it's Chekhov's Chuck because it's right on the mantel place of the trailer. Ha. So, Fraser leaves, she goes in, starts looking around, is disgusted by her father's living condition, because he apparently lives there, and there's just a bunch of dishes piled up with old crusted on food, and then she starts going through some cabinets, finds an old family album, looks through it a bit, and he always has a fucking axe with him. Always. He's a lumberjack. What do you expect? Him not to wear flannel or have an axe? I didn't expect the jean jacket. Um, we then cut to the next morning. No. She goes outside, looks at the lot, finds Chuck on the ground, past the police tape. That's the next morning. Fairly certain it was that night. No, because she's loading boxes into her car the next day. Oh, okay. And then I, she's walking I back. I didn't realize that was the next day. I, fe- I assumed that was still the same day. No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, I don't know where the time skip happens, but okay. I could be wrong, I guess. I guess I could be wrong. Could be the same day. Yeah, there was never a clear time skip there for me. Fair I did it. I thought it was just the same day. Same day. Then we, we never saw a night sequence of any sort. It, it's just the cut implied passage of time to me of a longer scale than. But it implied to me that she went through more things, which is why she had a box now with things taking it out to the car. Um, so she takes the box of things out to the car, and then on her way back in, she looks into the trees and sees something. So she goes to walk through, mm-hmm. and she finds her father's axe. Chuck mm-hmm. picks it up, and as she goes to go back to the camper, she sees a woman in gray. Mm-hmm. standing in the trees she's like hey you can't be here which also you can't be here either willow you just crossed a police line yeah private property fuck yeah. the police the woman darts off in the woods so willow follows and, and she goes and in the old woman's defense capitalism fuck private property yeah, exactly so willow goes farther back into the rows of trees and then they start to distort and become more like an old growth forest closer together at odd angles taller and she goes from the sunny afternoon of saturn california to a dark creepy forest with mists and nighttime creepy noises by creepy noises i mean the weird shrieks that we heard when douglas died it is weird shrieks it is I don't, it's a weird choice of sound effect i don't mm-hmm. get it and she eventually steps out of a break in the trees into a large clearing with one giant tree in the middle mm-hmm. and then the streaks get louder so she turns around and runs and she eventually makes it back to the daylight of saturn yep and then she goes into the camper and goes to bed yeah later that night sleeping in her dad's trailer She's woken up by a truck pulling into the lot. Yeah, because... The, and it is tree thieves. The light shines right in, and we've got some tree thieves throwing trees in the back of this pickup truck. So she calls the police to report mm-hmm. a theft. And she's like, I'm reporting an active theft. And then there's some noise, and one of the thieves gets pulled into the trees. And the other one walks towards and is like, hey, bro, he says a name, I think, but it doesn't fucking matter. And... He gets pulled into the trees. Mm-hmm. And then there's a squelching noise, more squelching noise. Blood flies everywhere. Splatters the entire side of the truck. And she's just like, never mind the theft. I think I just witnessed a murder. We then cut to her in a police station. And this, my friends, is why you should never report a crime. Mm-hmm. Because she is now being interrogated as a person of interest in the murder of her father and the two tree thieves. Her father, who was on a different continent than her. She was in fucking Madagascar. She wasn't even just on a different continent. She was on an island in a different continent. Yeah. And the guy's just like, look, it's a shame what happened to your dad. Me and my family bought trees from him every year. He was really great. Everyone loved him. But, but, you, but you're a tree activist, a tree-hugging tree lover, and he chopping down trees and you hate him. 
Yeah, basically. He's like, he's like, yeah, I, you're right. I did hate him. He was gone all the time, chopping down trees. When mom died, all he cared about was the, that stupid tree business. Yeah, so yeah, I hated him, and I left as soon as I could. And yeah, him chopping down all those trees, that is why I'm a tree activist. Fuck you. But I wasn't even in this fucking country. And he's like, well, make sure to stick around. Well, he's like, well, yeah, I didn't really think you did anyways, because I don't think you could have done what was done to those two men. Pretty sure it's a wild animal of some sort, maybe a black bear or something. Doesn't explain why they were drained of all their blood, though. And she's like, what? And he's like, never mind, just make sure you don't go anywhere. She's like, I'm leaving to Madagascar as soon as I can. In the morning, I literally have a yeah. flight booked out, and he's like, oh, no, you're not. She's like, okay. And he's like, also, you can't go back to your dad's trailer. And she's like, active crime scene. I have to get my stuff. He's like, nope, can't do it. She's like, I can't leave without my stuff. I need my passport. And he's like, well, then I guess you have to stick around. Better make like a tree and stay put. She's like, that's not that's not that saying goes. It's make like a tree and leave. He's like, not this time. To be fair, though, in his defense, yeah, like, he's also right. Yeah, like that is the comedic beat of this episode. He should have said, though, should make like a tree and take root. Yeah, like that would have been better. Mm-hmm. It, it's more a tree. Like trees do stay put. Yeah. That is a function of being a tree. But more things than trees stay put. Yeah. So then her and Uncle Fraser meet up at a small family diner mm-hmm. and she brings the box with her. There's basically nothing that happens in the scene other than establishing that she's not just a tree hugger, tree activist, which I say that like a derogatory way because the, sh- the episode makes it a derogatory thing. Yeah. Being an activist and like helping protect wildlife is an important thing. Yes. As much as I'm like, she's a tree hugger, tree act, that's, that's because the, the show treats her. But she's also a vegan. Yeah. And also, it's not very Which, well battered by the fact that this is the most stilted fucking like dialogue for activism I've ever fucking heard. Which, uh, let's be clear here, she's not a vegan. She's been on screen for more than 10 minutes at this point and hasn't mentioned it. Mm-hmm. She's not a vegan. Yeah. She did, she did not tell the 911 operator about it. She didn't tell the the, inve- the detective. Yeah. Uh, she didn't open the window and yell at the tree thieves hey i'm a vegan yeah the joke the joke being vegans tell you they're vegan Mm -hmm. as soon as they see you yeah which is a joke being vegans okay i don't know why i'm taking taking digs at vegans Mm -hmm. not cool bad josh so her and her uncle end up going back to the tree farm well at first they just have lunch yeah and she's she's like like, i can't go back i don't know what the fuck i want to do to get uh, my stuff she's like I have to go find a place to stay because I can't go back to the trailer. Yeah. He offers her a room. She's like, no, nah, because that would mean like putting I down don't... roots and attachments. And I don't want to impose on you. And then she's like, I don't know what I was thinking. I live out of a suitcase. Here's this box of dad's stuff. I can't take it with me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, but even this book that I don't remember the title of that has almost nothing to do with the plot of the show. It's just about trees and plants. And she takes the book from him and starts flipping through it and finds a picture of her dad. Mm-hmm. And it has the woman in the grave in the background. And she's like, who is this? Who is this? And he's and like, that. That's your dad? And she's like, no. The woman in the back, he's like, I don't know. And she's like, I've never seen her before. I've never even noticed it. And she's like, I've seen her before. And like, it's like, why are you asking him? You know more about it than he does. Which we know the cops know about the old lady, because apparently she reported it at some point or mentioned it during her interrogation, Mm -hmm. because the cop was like, also, we looked into the whole old lady thing. We checked with the nursing home down on Elm Street, and all the residents are snug and in their beds. Yeah. So she's like, maybe he has more pictures of her or more information about her in his trailer. Yeah, Let's so go. The, so the two go back. And they go back to the trailer. And it is night now. Mm-hmm. They were at the diner for a long time. There was light at the diner. They were at the diner for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it implies they were basically there all fucking day. Yeah. Have you never had a long lunch? 
not a long lunch that lasts all fucking day. But they go into the camper. They're looking around there, pulling stuff out. Well, no, they don't even get into the, the camper. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because so, they walk in and they see the trees are. The trees have moved. Somebody, they are. Did somebody move the trees? They are quite far past the police line now. And they're getting to the door of the trailer and a police officer stops them. And is like, yeah. look, I know you're Douglas's and you think you can just do whatever you want in this town. Whatever you want this time of year. But that's not the case. You still got to respect the law. And Willow's like, this is private property. Fuck off, pig. Yeah. And her uncle's like, hey, she's been out of society for a really long time. She doesn't know what she's saying. Yeah. And then... <laughs> to be fair, she doesn't actually say fuck off, pig, but it's very close. Yeah. She's like, this is private property. I have a right to be here. I'm getting my stuff. And then the cop notices something in the trees. Yeah, he's walking them off the property, and he sees... He doesn't just notice something. He sees the woman. because She's yeah. like only four or five trees deep in. Yep. And she's standing there and her wrists are making weird cracking noises as her hand bends backwards. And Yeah. He's like, hey, you can't be here. You got to go too. And then she takes off running and the cop takes off running after her. And Willow takes off running after I the mean, cop. To be fair, I would like to illustrate that he is indeed a cop. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. Because they have deemed this person an old lady by their description. Mm-hmm. She's standing there. Her Bones hands cracking. Hands and her hands spasming in a weird way, which just means like arthritis really bad like, or some shit it could be a seizure yeah and the entire time he's just like hey not approaching it at all it's fair he's like hey you, you can't be here you gotta go and his hands just on his hip undoing the buckle for his gun and pu- slowly pulling his gun out yeah and then she takes off running and he runs after her mm-hmm. and willow runs after him and this and- is why we should send counselors to situations with people with mental health or old people and fraser runs after willow i don't think a counselor is gonna help with an actual witch from an ancient forest yeah neither cop <laughs> fair enough so they all take off Chasing each other. Mm-hmm. Like the mouse being chased by a cat being chased by a dog. And so Frazier and Willow break out of the trees into the clearing with the giant tree again. And the old lady, or witch, because Josh ruined it. Sorry. Has her hands kind of buried into his chest. Kind of looks like she's eating him, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, feeding him to a tree. Yeah, she eventually just shoves him into a hole at the root of the trees. And the entire time, he's screaming and everything. So when he gets shoved into the tree, Fraser and Willow take the fuck off. Turn around and run, because yeah. who cares about the cop? Yep. And when they get back out, they see there's even more trees than before. They're even closer to the trailer. So they run into the trailer, and Douglas is looking at us like, we're surrounded yeah. by trees. Well, Willow pulls the curtain aside yeah. at the little window over the sink, and the trees are literally right up against the trailer now. Yeah. So they start looking through paperwork and pictures. Mm. and They find a brochure for a similarly part of an expensive forest where he was chopping down trees. It's it's in the inventory paperwork, and mm-hmm. it's called, a forest called Midnight Forest. Yep. And then there's a rhyming little stanza about uh, a witch. Supposedly, Midnight Forest is the last bastion of trees before the permafrost of the north. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, there's a poem about a witch that protects the midnight forest. And if you chop down a tree, she'll kill you. And the only way to deal with her is to take out the heart of her tree. Of her hex tree. Mm-hmm. The, the hex tree that's fed with blood. And if you take its heart out, she dies. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to go do that. So they grab Chuck off the mantle area. Even Fraser decides that it needs to be done. Yeah. Willow's like, I'm you not going to chop down a tree. And he's like, fair enough. And he grabs the axe and walks out. No, no. Willow doesn't just go, I'm not going to chop down a tree. Willow goes, that. The witch and the trees were here long before us. They have more right to live than we do. Yeah. And he's like, did they have more right to live than your dad? And grabs the axe and goes. Yeah. Which is, it's hilarious to me that like, she's in a life or death situation. And she's like, no, the witch and tree were here first. They have the right to murder me, okay? They have the right to feed me to a blood tree. Yeah. Okay? Like, that's and just how- And have this forest slowly overtake this entire small southern California. 
California town. I think Northern California town. They said SoCal in the first episode. Okay, my bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's not willing to chop it down. But she's also not willing to stay in the trailer by herself while surrounded yeah. by trees. So and they head off. She's not willing to let Fraser go mm-hmm. alone. So they get to the hex tree. No witch in sight. So they. So Fraser lifts the axe up above his head and goes to swing on the hex tree and gets tackled by a witch who plunges her hands into his chest. Yeah, I assume the idea is that she's using her her fingers as like roots to take the energy. That's kind of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get like a weird blue glow along his neck at a point. It kind of looks like he's like getting frosted. Yeah, as well. it's weird. Like, and and Willow just stands there looking at him. He's like, get the fucking the axe. <laughs> so she eventually does and starts chopping up the tree. And the moment she eats the tree, the witch pulls her hands back and starts screaming. I like the idea that she's standing there. She's like, look at the witch kill her uncle and looking at the axe and looking at the tree and going, well, they were here first. Yeah. And so she chops at the tree. The witch stops and screams. She chops at the tree again. Same thing happens. And then she just stops chopping at the tree for a while and watches her uncle die some more. Yeah. Because the witch immediately goes back to killing him. Well, it's because she's chopping the tree and she's like, is it really okay? Like, yes, he's my uncle, but he wasn't here first. And she's tied to the tree. And this is just an example of how much it hurts the forest to chop down trees. Don't her, you hear her, her screams of pain? Her pain her, is the tree's pain. Yeah. And the tree's pain is all of our pain. Yeah. And then he like calls out Willow's name and she's like, oh yeah, uncle. And chops the tree like twice more. Definitely does not get through the bark really of this massive old tree. Into the heart of it now. And, and the wish just does falls it, into like. Puffs into snow. Yeah. And so they get up and they leave. And Fraser like limps mm-hmm. because he's got 10 holes in his chest. And is assumingly, and has smoothly lost part of his vitality or soul. Who knows? And is bleeding. You can mm-hmm. see his shirt is bloodstained. Yeah. And they walk out. And what do you know? The trees are all back to where they logically should be behind the line. Everything is normal. And they're like, neat. They kind of sit down at the table that was like for Douglas when he was mm-hmm. doing his work stuff. And he's like, you know who would have really enjoyed seeing you kill a witch? with chuck well he's like because he doesn't say it all right he's like you know your dad would have really enjoyed seeing that and she's like what chopping down trees like no killing a witch yeah and she's like yeah he would have and so they sit there and the power turns back on i guess the power has been off here the entire time since her dad died yeah and then he's like so you headed back now she's like uh i can stay a little bit he's like cool i need someone to help me she's like with one he's like i need someone's help with mulching all these trees she's like Ah, uh, he's like, you okay with that? She's like, uh, given the circumstances, I think I can make an exception. And then we focus on one of the trees, zoom in on it, and then we zoom out of another tree, which is now is in the decorated diner. as a Christmas tree. And we focus in on this couple who are at this diner. We have a Chris Angel knockoff and just Hallmark Christmas lady sitting at a table. And the Chris Angel knockoff is got an Eastern European accent, and his name yeah. is his name is Dima. Yep. And he's they're sitting there and he's like, what did you bring me here? There you, know, is nothing- I can't, you know, I can't eat anything here. And she's like, there's nothing I can eat here. And she's like, neither can I. And he's like, what was the point? And she's like, I thought this was what you wanted. I thought like a nice little day out. You used to love these places. Like, we could be normal. We, sorry, she, that was her. We could be normal. We could have like a nice little date. Sorry, I used my Dima accent to do her line. That's my mm-hmm. bad. And he's just like, this This is like the opposite of what you said you wanted. You changed me mm-hmm. into this and now you bring me here. And you want to be normal. Do, you, do you, you don't even know what you want. Do you even know what you want? And she's like, I, uh, uh, I, uh. Hundreds of years and you don't even know what you want. This is why you're always alone. He gets up and leaves. 
So obviously they're vampires. Like, yeah. like I, I got that. Like, <laughs> I got that the moment the guy is dressed like a Chris Angel knockoff started speaking in what was a really bad Transylvania accent. Eastern European. I wouldn't lock it on Transylvania. Yeah, we always call those accents Eastern European because they're ostensibly somewhere from Eastern Europe because they definitely don't fucking sound like a Transylvanian accent. But that's what they're supposedly supposed to be most of the fucking time. So she sits at the table, kind of sad, mm-hmm. and then we follow Dima as he walks through a streetlight lit back alley or something. It doesn't look like a back alley. It looks like a nice little sidewalk, and he's walking through little arches decked with just white Christmas lights. And then he is tackled by somebody, Mm -hmm. and another guy shows up with a stake, and he's like, your time's up, vampire. And then another guy walks up, and he's like, no, not yet. I got a better idea. And they knock Dima out. Well, the other two chuckle, and then knock him out. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. So, thoughts on 12 Deadly Days. Weirdly, what episode two has going for it is it makes me excited to watch episode three. Like, yeah, the, the, last two mi- the last two minutes of this episode are the best two minutes of this episode. Yeah, the majority of this episode is just kind of boring, and the dialogue for Willow is very stilted and bad of, Every- nature's good, I really like trees, we shouldn't harm trees, trees provide oxygen. She literally says that at a point, all these trees oh, uh, no, that, that provided that's the, oxygen. That's the best part, because her uncle implies that her dad is traveling into the northern forests, yeah. and she's like, those are old growth trees. They're he- not. There's, like, a he, few barely taller than Bernie Burns. He, he's chopping down old growth, and, like... Those trees have been providing oxygen for us for thousands of years. And, like, uh, those trees in the lot aren't old growth pine. None of them exceed seven feet. Hands down. Guaranteed. See, if it was an old growth pine, the tree trunk part before it has pine needles would be taller than you. Yeah. That's, the, like... And, I mean, you could cut that farther down. The only way these are old growth pine trees is if he's scaling them and cutting on the tops, which some people do. And also, it's a more sustainable way to harvest trees like that. Yeah. And that's not terrible. I mean, it's still not good. It can still cause lasting harm to trees if done incorrectly or done to a tree that's already in poor health. But it's better for the tree than just chopping it all the way the fuck down. Alternatively, he's chopping it the entire fucking way down and then just taking the top seven feet. <laughs> he's like, I'm not very good at climbing. I just cut the entire thing down. Then I walk like the hundred or so, 220 feet 200 feet to the top end of it and then i just cut off the top seven feet and i take that home with me i actually like to imagine that that's what that circumstance is it has to be right like yeah how, how, how else is he pissing off midnight forest witch lady like i mean because it's an old growth forest that doesn't mean there's not new growth in it fair enough fair enough oh uh, yeah no like the last two minutes with dima and his sire is sire the appropriate term? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Sire doesn't... is more interesting than the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm like, oh, vampires. And actually, I I, I know this is... I, I just... Dima's accent. I really like his accent. See, my favorite part of this episode is the fact that Douglas and Fraser are named Douglas and Fraser. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Willow's name is dumb. I got issues. Yeah. Anyways. She should be named for a type of fur. Would you watch more of 12 Deadly Days? No, not really. Fair enough. And I like horror things. Christmas horror is generally schlocky and humorous, but this wasn't even approaching schlocky in like terms of bad because it had fine production, and it wasn't that humorous either. Yeah, this first episode's better than the second, but neither are like... like The first episode is like a five and a half out of ten. Yeah. The second episode's like a solid four and a half, maybe a 4.75 out of ten. Though I would like to point something out that I forgot to mention about the first episode. Yeah, go ahead. And that is that Miles' character design, his entire outfit, he's just cosplaying as Shaggy from the 2000 live action Scooby-Doo movie. Fair enough. That movie's good, though. Yeah. But yeah, I I probably wouldn't watch more either. I might end up watching episode three just for Dima. (laughs) 
And maybe Fair. episode like eleven because Bernie Burns re- comes back, recurs, and like I just want to know if he's playing the same character and if he is, like what, how it ties what in. What the context is there? Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm not really interested in it. YouTube wasn't either. It's got, it got one season. Although maybe it was never meant to have more than one season. Although it's an anthology show, so there's no reason why they couldn't have done a new anthology. Yeah. It just wasn't. That, that's that's my review. It wasn't. Yep. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts about holidays or, or holiday horror things. If you're interested in watching 12 Deadly Days before we sign off, it's free now on YouTube. You don't have to be a YouTube premium subscriber. You don't have to be, you don't have to have YouTube Red. It's just on YouTube for you to watch for Is it? free. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Most things that were YouTube premium are no longer locked behind YouTube premium. Oh, neat. Simply because there's nothing. I got you. So if you want to contact us to, I don't know. Say something about holidays or horror movies or YouTube premium, I guess. You can do so by emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find a link to both of those in addition to our Discord, our Patreon, and our YouTube that never gets used by going to copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Thanks for flying with us. And please fly again soon. And please don't forget, we will have a special holiday movie episode on Christmas for you. Yeah. As always, please enjoy that as well. So we'll see you on the next flight in just a couple days. Enjoy your holidays. 